Let me show you what it is. Welcome to Tales from the East Stand, episode 181. Bet you weren't expecting me to do the intro. Uh, with myself, Carl Riley, and my trusty co-host, currently trapped in his bedroom in Lugan, Gary Parsons. Actually, I'm in the ensuite, just trying to get better sound. <laughs> I'm thinking of my other little recording studio, and I think it's doing a job at the minute. It got you, Gary. COVID got you. But, yeah, that's the thing. I've avoided it for a while. The whole the whole duration of this mad period in time, and then I get it like a couple of days before Christmas. Fucking ridiculous. Even though it's a pandemic. Uh, and you know what? The first time in years I actually had a bit of time off before Christmas. That's twice now that I've had my leave taken away because of COVID. You get me? Every, I've gone on leave, and something has happened where I had to quarantine. That's nuts. So, I said that's twice now, but yeah, now we usually, I wanted to go for a couple of points this year, and then, obviously, the 8 o'clock call queue came in, and then, uh, <laughs> then I got it. It battered me for the first two days. Absolutely battered me. And fairness now, I, I reckon, if I wasn't vaccinated, I, I would have ended up in some sort of hospital, but, um, yeah, now, I'd say the vaccine did its job there, but now it's just like a two-day hangover. It's not like it came off. A tasty bus from her. <laughs> yeah, they're calling this uh, varied mild, but as you say, like it beat the shit out of you over three days. So <laughs> and it's just it did. I came out nowhere. I came out bumped out of blue. Like there was there having a couple of points, and then the next morning I just woke up and it just hit like a slap. It was fucking ridiculous. So yeah, no, um, feeling a lot better now. I'm feeling a lot better now. Yeah, good to hear you're doing better. It's just it's rampant at the moment, isn't it? Like everybody knows somebody. Probably everybody knows five people who have it now at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, our job is boys do. Don't expect any parcels for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what people want to hear this time of year. <laughs> but uh, so we're back from a five week hiatus. Jesus Christ, five weeks. But uh, five weeks. We're back stronger. We didn't mean for it to go as long as it did. Uh, or maybe we were clever. Maybe we were waiting until there was a thirst for a League of Ireland podcast. But, you know, because they're all done now, right? The only League of Ireland Central had a couple of episodes the last few weeks. Evil genius. Such a hard So here's what happened. We'll just give everybody a quick rundown. 
why we were away so long. There was a lot of procrastination in the middle. Like we admit that. But the start and the end, that wasn't our fault. That was out of our hands. So as most people know, I think most of our listeners would have seen my post on Robert's chat. So the night before the draw of the game, my mum sadly passed away. And we did take a short break after that week, understandably. That then extended into four weeks. I'm not sure why, but it did. Uh, we actually tried to record late last night, or late last week. But then work got in the way. Then we said, right, let's come back with a bang. We're all set to go on Saturday. Two big name guests in studio. And then boom, that was cancelled because of a COVID yeah. scare. Then we said, okay, let's meet up on Tuesday. Record our own end of season roundup ourselves. And then you test positive on Tuesday. Unbelievable. Madness, isn't it? Yeah. Madness, our own little, our own little book. We could, we could write our own memoirs on it. But um, yeah, we'll be coming back with loads of plans for the new year, Bob. With loads of plans for the new year, so we'll come back bigger and better than ever. Yeah, hence why I'm talking to you on the phone right now. Zoom is officially banned from TFTs, right? I'm done with it. I just I hate yeah, everything. Yeah, I think it's alright. I think it's not. You're obviously fucking protectionist, but I don't think it's that bad. I hate everything it represents. Separation. It's, it's fine for interviewing people during a pandemic or someone in Canada like today's guest he's from he's in Canada but I just don't want to do a show with you over Zoom again so that's why next week we're doing a proper one when you're back here live and in person in the lair it's not very, not very natural is it no no it, tra- it throws it us feels, off yeah totally totally unnatural there's no flaws there's no it's yeah I'd much rather do it in person yeah, so next week, uh, probably Thursday, because I think you're out of isolation on the Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. So, so we could get our, our that episode out on the 30th. So in that one, we're going to cover the draw of the game and the trophy presentation, the cup final. Oh, oh the cup final. We have so much yeah. to say about that. Yeah, can't wait for that. The player, yeah, the the player of the year was in the four provinces, and just the rest of the news, like the managerial merry-go-round, all that madness. We'll cover all that. Yeah, it's been a mad couple of weeks in the world, isn't it? Oh, crazy! So then, what's happening on this week's show? You might ask. Well, uh, a small bit of chit chat, like you're hearing now, and we're going to talk this week's news, kind of contract renewals, the fixture list. Uh, like I said, we'll go into more detail next week when Garrett is physically here. But we have two interviews. We have Winston meets Rohan Ricketts. Yes. Hello. Yes, you heard that right. Winston meets Rohan Ricketts. That's coming up later. <laughs> and firstly, we'll have our player, another Player of the Year series with uh, 92-93 award winner Peter Eccles. And there's some input as well from the memory man, Justin Mason, on that season as well. Uh, Joe's, of course, Joe's, um it's actually ridiculous the way he rattles off names and times in this. He has to be reading it from a, from a book or from some sort of notes. Because if not, he's a fucking freak. At one stage, you, you hear said... the way he rattled off the signings and who came in from where and who came in from unknown and who was unknown. I know, at one stage he was talking about a game and he was like, oh, and of course they took the lead in the fourth minute. And I'm, I was like, what? It's like... 30 years ago how do you remember the minute stop, of the goal stop bragging stop bragging <laughs> yeah but uh, Joe sent us in some, uh, some great voice notes on, on that season on was 
on what was not a memorable season by any means, let's be honest, it was the following year that everyone still talks about to this day. And uh, of course we had Peter on the show before. Remember Peter Eccles and Tommy Tormey in Johnny Boo's Bar a couple of years ago, Gar? Oh yes, certainly did. Tommy, Tommy's a great fella. Love an L drop. Tommy was on fire that day. So just a just a bit of housework here. Uh, our last show, which was five weeks ago, feels so long ago now to, to talk about. But our Pat Scotty interview, definitely the most feedback we've received to a show since the Brazzer cast uh, a year ago. Yeah, Scully, I went down the street, and rightly so as well. He was um, it kind of gave me a bit of an under the cosh bit of a vibe off it because it was honest and brutal. And uh, I just, I just thought it was brilliant. Great to hear him, and I can understand why. I was actually listening to I think it was John Sheridan and man Alan recently in the under the curse one. That, I've heard that those kind of too. Yeah, they, they, really, they were brilliant. Yeah, they, they, probably the man Alan one was unbelievable. I was cracking up laughing, genuinely laughing out loud. But I, I could see why they wouldn't really fit in today's managerial world, and it's very possible that Scully could fit into that mold. Do you know what, Martin Allen was the one I laughed at the most because he was so serious and stern, but he was also <laughs> hilarious. You know what I mean? Do you know what the best thing about the whole, the whole thing was? When he turned around and he go, oh, it's Scott Bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided to call the whole... I, that was... Like, I'm going to call you Scruff Bag now. That... <laughs> Shut up, Scruff Bag. That was a cracking interview. He was so deadpan, the way his delivery, like, it was brilliant. Oh, absolutely brilliant, yeah. Also, yeah, I was really, really enjoyed Pat, and um, I think I think there's definitely more more scope for interviews like that in the league world as well. It's just about getting them comfortable and getting them to kind of tell real stories, isn't it? Yeah, I was told that he, he had mellowed. I, I was given that tip by Owen Rice, and he was spot on. He has mellowed. Uh, hence why he opened up to me I suppose but uh, we got loads of feedback we wouldn't have time to read it all here's a, here's one example from Peter Fitzpatrick he said I really enjoyed listening to Pat and his honest opinions he did a great job at Rovers taking the club out of the first division and starting the process of making Rovers a team to be reckoned with again so that was kind of consistent with, consistent with what a lot of people said they said great stories no nonsense honest uh, everyone loved that interview Ah, class, absolutely class. Definitely a part two in there somewhere. I think so. Yeah, I said to him, uh, a round table with the the three lads you you built off the bus. Yeah, I imagine. Do we even you know, do we do we keep saying this? Do we have confirmation who was? I keep, Sorry, sir. I keep hearing different names. We're gonna have to find out. We're gonna have to find out and get them all in. Like you said, a round table. I think Justin Mason claimed to know the the, the definite three, but uh, Jason Maloney replied saying that. We've been, we've been hearing from people that we haven't heard from, you know, the likes of Tony Grant and Pat Scully. So he reckons this is a sign that we're soon going to have another controversial former manager on. I think, I think we know who he means there. And, and the closing song of that episode, uh, people were saying they got goosebumps. It was Bittersweet Symphony with some uh, Joey O'Brien clips. Oh God, it was very sad, yeah. Oh, oh, Joey. Joey's the enemy now, no? Joey is the enemy. <laughs> Probably should have provided a trigger warning there because uh, it was upsetting people. I didn't even plan Joey. that at all. 
Like you, Joe's that was your idea. Into the old cliche, isn't he? Sorry. He's already fallen in. He's only in the job a minute, and he's already fallen into the old cliche of signing his mates. No boy, he getting a contract up any owner. I mean, owner how many years? That one was for. Oh, jobs for the boys. Jobs for the boys. Yeah, I, d- I didn't plan that uh, thing at all. You had the idea to play Bittersweet Symphony, which was a great choice. And then I said, I'll just I'll just drop one thing in. And then I just said, oh, I'll put that in, and that one, and that one. It became six things, and it became a bit of a thing. And I just, not once did I hear, where are these boxes? Yeah, <laughs> I speak boxes. They're on un- voice notes somewhere from a year ago. And uh, there was some late feedback as well for, for Tony Grant. This came from uh, Jeff Dunn. Tony, of course, was our 2000-2001 Player of the Year. And he said, really enjoyed the Tony Grant episode. I'd forgotten that he'd fallen out of favour with Bucko in his last season. I think he regretted the move without 100% saying so, and I thought he came across very well. So that was from Jeff. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people will always presume that they're they're talking to media sometimes when they're talking to them. They can't be themselves and they give the usual textbook bullshit, you know, and they're afraid to do that. Even though their career is over, I think it's hard enough to kind of get these people on to, to give a truthful account at times of how they really were, you know? Yeah, true. Just tell us for the wages. That's all we want to hear you. That's all we want to hear him say. <laughs> I did it for the wages. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, Tony was 1000, 1001 player of the year so let's hear our chat with the 92-93 player of the year Peter Eccles so this will be sandwiched by some info from our friend Joe's on that season and I asked Joe's for some Robert's Christmas memories as well so here's uh, Joe's and Peter Eccles uh, Justin Mason here uh, um, not too many is Joe's um, thanks Carl for asking me to talk about a couple of things so Firstly, the 1992-93 season. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it was going to be Ray Tracy's uh, first full season in charge. Um, he had made some, already in his time from taking over from Noel King in January 92, he had made changes to the side he inherited, such as bringing in, uh, um, he brought in Derek McGrath on loan and John Bacon on loan. Now Bacon went to Derry for this season. Again, unknown from Arsenal, and would eventually join those. But Dermot McGraw was made permanent this season. But uh, the likes of players who left would have been Dave Henderson went to Bowes, Paul Duda went to Shells, Lord and Martin Arnold, Wayne Cooney to Dundalk. John McDonald started the season, just went back to Pats. Higley Buckley went to Pats. Dave Campbell from the North went left, as did Sean Bourne, Dave Davy Connell, and Barry O'Connor. But the, the player turnover just didn't stop there. A lot came in, the likes of Alan Kane, Willie Burke, Garrett Kelly, Senno Dukon. Christian Bowes, John Toll, Martin Bailey, who would leave during the season to go to Linfield. I think Dave Campbell, the, the Dublin one, who is now on the coaching staff at Sligo, and Liam Buckley, who would score in a 6-1 win over Bray, would then leave to go to Pats the following week. It would spend, I think, nearly four years of Pats. Uh, Paul Cullen, Paul Cashin, Gary O'Sullivan, Stephen Gagan, Eric Hogan, John Cody came in, and Derek McGraw was made permanent. Later in the season, I think we would add Joe Gallen and David Bourne. Not... David Bourne Sports Rovers or David Bourne, the lead singer talking heads, but would come in um, and sign for us. Um, yeah, the, the first time I saw this team was St. Johnston friendly, and we lost 2 1 in Belfield, I think it was on July 1992. I remember going into the game thinking um, 
like there's a big change in the team. Vinnie Atkins actually played for St. Johnson. It was his first time back after leaving to go to, to St. Johnson the previous November. And yeah, like we, we didn't play too badly. Um, I think this was the... Um, and we, we lost 2-1 thinking, okay, there's, there's some promise here. And then the following week we went and we played Nottingham Forest. And we drew in a lot. The game we should have won, but Martin Bailey ran the show that night. And a certain lad from Mayfield and Cork couldn't accept it. And even though I like him now at the time, I didn't like Roy Keane. I didn't like him for a few years after this. And maybe it wasn't because he went to Manchester United. It was mainly because of this game. Be- even though he was playing brilliant for Ireland in the World Cup in 94, he was very arrogant that night. He was only, I think he hadn't even turned 21 at the time. And he he couldn't accept the fact that even the friendly match where it's about getting your fitness. Now this is probably down to his competitive edge that he was getting played off the park. And about half an hour in, Brian Clough wasn't there that night. Um, it was uh, Ronnie Fenton, Liam O'Kane and Archie Gemmell, I think was, was, was Clough's backroom staff and they whipped him off. They whipped him off before he was sent off. And I think he was on the bench in front of the Anglesey Terrace where the forest bench was that night. And he didn't take too kindly to be taken off, but he was taken off for, for his own good. But it was a great performance. And we thought that that was a good sign because farthest to the good side, they had got to the League Cup final the previous year. They had been in and around the top six of the old English Force Division the previous four or five years. They got the Cup finals and, and Cup semi-finals and, and, and won League Cups and other Cups like the Simard Cup and Zanet Data Systems Cup. And they were a consistently good side. And you're thinking, OK, we've done well against these tonight. And uh, you're thinking, yeah, that sets us up for the season. However, as it would show, Rovers would struggle in the league that year and Forrest even more so in England um, as they were relegated at, that, at the end of that season, which was the fourth season of the English Premier League. Um, we then played the League Cup um, games against uh, Patsbury and uh, not sure who the, the home firm, I think the last one was played on the Saturday afternoon um, in the RDS. Um, due to the fact that Dublin were playing clear in the Orange City on a Sunday. Wouldn't see that now, but back then that was quite common to move games to if there was games in Lansdowne or a big Dublin game in Croke Park, that game, games might be slightly moved. Um, but yeah, we didn't get out of that group. I think we drew nil all with Bray, I think, and we beat home firm 1-0. I think we'd already beaten home firm in the Leicester Senior Cup as well. We beat some of the Leicester Senior Cup 4-0 earlier that year. We'd beaten Newbridge Town, actually, um, on the day that Michael Carruth won the gold medal and Wayne McCullough won the silver. We beat Newbridge Town Farden in the RDS that afternoon. Um, but So... The Pats game, though, was the big one because we, we dominated them, absolutely dominated them, and uh, couldn't score and lost 1 0 in the League Cup to them. Um, ironically, on the same day, Forrest, who just played one of the first live Premier League game on Sky, beating Liverpool 1 0 to a Teddy Sheridan goal. So, we, there was a bit of promise there because we'd done well in the Leinster. We won our two Leinster Senior Cup games, we won one of the League Cup games, we'd only conceded one goal, and thinking, okay. There's promise here. We knew with the players that had come in, we brought in a lot of young players. And we knew that um, and because of the way Ray wanted them to play. And we, a lot of experience had gone out the door. And I think it was a case of right. We knew that with this being the fourth season of the top six, bottom six split, we knew it was going to be a straight fight between us and Pats to probably get that. Because if you looked at the rest of the side, Shells were very strong, having won the league. Bowles were very strong, having won the cup. Um, Cork were very strong, having been challenge in the last two years Dundalk were very strong could just won the league in 91 and Derry had a, had a very strong side on the, who really should 
and Shell's closer than they did in 92 and won the League Cup and done well in Cups. So we knew them five were definites. So it was always going to be a case that the last place was between us and Pats. Now panned out neither got through, but we'll come on to that later. Um, yeah, we started the season pretty badly. I think we'd one win in the first 10 games. Um, again, we suffered another 1 0 defeat to Pats. Again, back to them in Harold's Cross and couldn't beat them. 2-2 uh, against Shells, a game we really should have won. We got off to a bad setting. Paulie Dully gave them the lead after four minutes and they were champions. And we absolutely battered them after Derry McGraw with two. Toll and Bailey in the middle of the park were outstanding that day. And then Achilles Hill giving away soft goals in the injury time. A corner comes in. I think Paul Dillon was with Hannah and Ken. Ken O'Doherty, who had broken our hearts in the cup final for UCD in 84, rises and the ball trick. It was a header. I remember I was in the Anxious Terrace, right in front of me, it trickled in the corner. And I remember I was even scared with a lot of Shells fans. My best mate time was a Shells fan. And he said he saw me, he was coming down from the Anglesey stand. And he caught me eye. I didn't see him now, but he caught mine. I was walking out and he said it looked like I was coming off from funeral. We were brilliant that day. And how he didn't win it was, was shocking. Um, we then won our next league game, which was a 6 1 demolition of Bray. And we played really well that day and we showed what we could do. Um, but we lost Dave Campbell that week, who went to Pats. That was a big loss because he was doing well for us at centre back. And um, it was our only win in the first 10 games. We we uh, lost to Bowers on Bank Holiday Monday and we were really in a bad position. And then we played Waterford twice. I think we won 3 2 down in Kilcone Park on the 1st of November. And then the following week, we beat them 4 0 in another. Brilliant performance where Stephen Gagan managed to get for all four goals. And um, he'd only get eight goals that year and half of them came this match. I think another one, maybe even two, might have came against Strata the following week. We won 4 1. So we had looked like then we'd found our feet and uh, we got three wins on the spin after not having only won one the first 10. And then we played Pats at the RDS and Pats were a bit of a bananas, banana skin team for that year. Again, Battled him in the first half, only one goal from Eric Hogan, who would come in um, at the end of October. And then we missed the rake of chances and then they equalised. And then they went they went ahead of us. And um, you, you were then thinking, okay, uh, well, who'll be next? Shells away, league champions. Again, took the lead, gave away a goal. Couldn't get that winning Demogradis shot in the end. We're still in a good position, but it was obvious that the month of December to me proved that this team what they could do and what they were better. Played Derry, lost 2 1. Um, shown on RT Sport that night. That, that was a big thing at the time. That, that if your game was picked as the highlight game. Again, we batted them the first half, then gave away two goals, started the second, pulled one back, um, and lost. We then played Bray. Beat them 5 nothing in, in the old Carlisle grounds. John Cody got an absolute screamer with his left foot. And I think we invaded the pitch after the third goal and the fourth goal and the fifth goal. And the announcer said, if we invade the pitch one more time, the game will be abandoned. So again, we, we, we you know, we were, we were coming into it. We had a big game then against Limerick on um, the Sunday before Christmas in 92. And if we won, it would put us in a brilliant place to get that last top six spot. And Limerick had come into the equation, so Noel King had just taken over there and he brought a good few players there. And Howie King, who he had at Rovers, he, Peter Mumby, who he had at Rovers one that time, that same. And we got beaten 4 1, and 
two or three, two howlers, I think, by, by Alan Kane. One from a back pass, because it was the first season that the back pass rule came in. Up until that, he could pass the ball back from the halfway line, the keeper could pick it up. But in this case, he couldn't. And famously, I think Kane made a couple of howlers, and we lost 4 1. And it really ended our, our, um, our top six hopes because we won. The following week, we, we battered Dundalk again. Again, it just seemed to happen an awful lot. We'd absolutely batter teams, but we just couldn't win. And uh, Alan O'Neill had an outstanding game, and Dundalk beat us 1-0. And we finished the, we finished the, finished the four series of games off with a, a 1-0 win away to Sligo, 3-2 defeat at home to Cork, and then a 2-1 defeat at home to Bowes. But the Cork match had made it mathematically impossible for us to qualify for the top six. On that same day, the way we played Bowes, um, Pat's got a, a, a nil-nil draw with Sheldon, which I think put them two points ahead of ahead of Limerick, and Pat's thought they'd qualified for the top six. Limerick's game at Cork was called off as he played on the following Wednesday afternoon, and unbelievably, Limerick beat Cork 1-0 to go into the top six, and Pat's didn't. Pat's fan I was winning school at the time was adamant Cork threw that game and he was good when they won the league because he felt that should have cost them. I don't think they did, I just think Limerick beat them fair and square. Um, we went into the bottom six then and again a lot of the games were inspiring. There was a, a draw with Waterford, a draw away to draw the draw to home to Bray. Um, we then lost to Sligo and then we lost to Pats 2-1. And I remember that game because I came home and I was livid. Cause that was I was only I hadn't even turned sixteen, and I was so angry. We'd scored early that day through I think John Toll, but we just we just capitulated. We just really capitulated and Pat's beat us comfortably really that day. And that was the first day I thought God we could be relegated here. Um, we then managed to beat Bray two one, and then we came out to a huge week in that season. Um, where we had um, to play Bowers in the Leinster Cup final and then play Drahad in the league. We're joined now by Robert's legend Peter Eccles, the only man to win five league medals with the Hoops in 1984, 85, 86, 87 and 1994. And he was club player of the year in 92-93, which is today's topic. Not exactly a season to write home, Bill Peter, I know, but especially when talking to someone with your trophy hall, but that's when you won the award, so that's how our series works. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, welcome back to the pod- podcast, Pedro. Thanks for being here, Carl. Appreciate it. And a uh, lovely intro. Uh, makes me feel really old as well. Fair play to <laughs> So, you've been away to Australia, and you were at Leicester and Dundalk before you came back to Rollers in 89. So, was it a much different club to the one at Milltown when you came back? Oh, yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, completely different. Went away on a good note. Well, not a good note, but went away with it. after playing for probably one of the best teams uh, the league is seen. And uh, to come back to see where we were, a king at the time, and playing in Daly Mill Park, it was completely different uh, set of circumstances. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit sad as well. And you come back and you see the great club, but like you were away as well. And we still had the. Uh, people ringing me to say what was going on and everything like that what was happening with the club but it's when you see the whole thing and it didn't seem uh, that Summer Crow was in a, in a good place you know so going into 92-93 uh, Ray Tracy had replaced Noel King at this stage and made some good signings Stephen Gagan uh, John Cody former teammate of yours from the four in a row era 
John Toll, he, he was only a kid in his first spell back in the 80s, but he went on to become a very good player for us in this decade. So we'd kind of a young team, but were you fairly hopeful with these sort of additions? Oh, yeah, he made some great signings. He made some fantastic signings. Like Paul Ozan, probably another great signing that no one really speaks much of, but Paul was an absolute uh, revelation for Rovers. Toller, geez, Toller was fantastic. Uh, Cody, John Cody is obviously there as well, you know, but we had a spine of the team. I think Ray might have signed uh, Alan Bourne as well. Am I, am I right there? Uh, I'm not sure. But I think he came in I, in 93, actually. Yeah, but like he, he, yeah, he did. He signed a good few players. Gago, like Gago was a phenomenal that season. Like he was untouchable, he was unplayable. He was, he was knocking goals in for fun. So, uh, skilled us away. He done. A, he, he made a few really good signings. Did you have a good understanding with Gino Brazil at the back? Gino was brilliant to play with. Loved playing with Gino. Gino was great. Gino probably complimented me really well as well. You know, uh, I used to call him the Hoover. You know, like he was. He and not that that's not being disrespectful, him, but Jesus, he'd pick up everything, and the play, the, the play where he played as well, a lot of good understanding, good talking. Gino was great to play with. A lot of time for Gino. And I don't know if you remember this at the start of nineteen ninety three, but there was a preseason for anybody but Nottingham Forest at the RDS, and uh, Roy Keane played in that, and there was some handbags with Martin Bailey, I think it was, and Keane got the hook early on in the game because he would have been. Sent off or uh, otherwise? Any memories of that? Yeah, we had a lot of memories. Actually, actually, we went uh, for a drink with the boys after. We had a lot of, yeah. We'd, uh, we gave them a, as good as they got, you know. Uh, I think they were actually heading back then. He had played Dundalk and beaten Dundalk 2-0. Uh, probably two nights previous. They were actually in the pre-season. But they were going back, I think, on that Saturday to start their league uh, campaign. Uh, we were well up for it. We gave them a good game. I think it was, if I'm right, it was nil all. Yeah, nil nil. Yeah, nil nil. And yeah, we gave them as good as they got. Uh, Sheringham wasn't playing up front. Uh, someone to play against him. But uh, yeah, we gave them a game. Uh, they were quite pleased. They were they were, uh, we were talking to them after the a few of the boys after. They were pleasantly surprised how well we played and uh, how fit we were. So you mentioned Gago and his uh, how he could score goals. There was a notable game from this season where he scored all four goals. In the four 0 home win over Waterford in November, it'd be another twenty six years before Rovers player did that again. Four goals in one game was Graham Burke. So, four goals is a rare feat, isn't it? Gago was lethal that day. Gago was incredible. Gago was great. Gago again probably didn't get a lot of the credit he should have got. The time, really, probably did at the end of the you know spell. He was, he was. I think got drafted into the Euro squad as well. But Gago was knocking goals in for fun. He was fierce. He was up for it. And, Played in a good side as well, and uh, yeah, Gago got us out of a, a plenty of hole. Uh, we scored in a, a goal here and a goal there, but yeah, great to play with Gago. Do you remember this new format that the FEI came up with? The top six, bottom six split. Uh, we ended. We found ourselves in the bottom six then with Waterford, Draha de Bray, Sligo, and Pats. So, what did you make of this format? Was it disappointing that we didn't make the cut in in that year? Yeah, I was disappointing to be fair, you know, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I was disappointing, but look, we, at, at the time when you're playing in it, like, you just dust yourself down and get on with it, you know, and uh, we, we thought we should have done better than we did, uh, you can only look forward and as a player and say, listen, next time it comes around, we're, we're going to be uh, in the 
in the hunt for uh, medals, you know. But yeah, it was disappointing. I brought in a couple of players on loan, kind of mid-season from Watford, uh, Joe Gadden, David Byrne, but by February we were looking in danger of relegation really, we were near the bottom of the table uh, until there was a crucial win over Shelburne in April so kind of all in all it was a season to forget to forget, really wasn't it? It was a shocking season, uh, yeah I think we'd have picked up a few injuries and the lads didn't really, the lads that came over uh, probably didn't suit them as well they came into a team that was probably struggling as well and it didn't kick on for them either, you know to be fair you know and uh, yeah, it didn't really shine for us. I think we went. Did we? I'm going to be right in saying we needed a win down in Waterford to uh, clinch uh, safety. I'm not sure if it was Waterford or Drogheda, maybe one of those two. Yeah, it was one of those two. I think it might have been. Yeah, okay, I'll stand correct on that. But I thought it was Waterford as well. But yeah, we were uh, in a bad way. There was uh, a Leinster Senior Cup final against Bowes at Denny Park on Paddy's Day. Uh, I see the papers are giving Pat Fenden credit for the winner there but it might have gone down as an own goal for our keeper Alan Kane uh, any memory to that final? No the only memory you really have it was a, it was a scrappy game it wasn't a great game and uh, I think it did come off Alan uh, on the day you know but again we were struggling we weren't you know we weren't sometimes you come over derby and you sort of say yeah we gave as good as we got but we were struggling we were sort of hanging in there you know I think they got the edge then at the end with Pat. Pat Fennett scoring the winner. Uh, we ended that season with a scoreless draw in Sligo. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, poor Balls blew the league in uh, Dundalk on the last day of the season. And then yeah. Cork ended up winning the three-way playoff. It was quite a dramatic finale, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, you know. And uh, we were looking at it from uh, a distance, you know. But uh, we were uh, quite disappointed Balls didn't win. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I, I've come from Cabra as well a lot of the guys would be ringing me to say yeah, we're going to do with you know but uh, I had a bit of fun with that you know you were telling me off air there you were giving a Bowes fan a bit of stick over the, the cup final yeah and uh, it goes around what goes around comes around as well you know but uh, <laughs> yeah he he, gave, he was giving me a bit of stick when we were in a bit of bother as well years ago as well you know so uh, again from being the north side of Cabra uh, I was known to be fair as other over supporters in Cabra too but with the hand there were a lot of Bowers uh, uh, men there and uh, they'd always let me know uh, who they thought was the better the better club and the better team you know so uh yeah, a bit of fun taking the mic, you know. And do you remember anything about the the Player of the Year award ceremony itself, or uh, do you at least remember your reaction to being voted by the fans as as Player of the Year? Oh God, yeah, I did actually because uh, I think myself and Gina were in the runner for it, and uh, again it was uh, usually at leak. Uh, you'd probably it was. You probably have an idea who was. I, mean, I knew I was in the uh, the chase for it, but it was a surprise, you know. But it's great to get these awards, you know, and uh, it's something I have now in my top pocket, as you've said before, you know, uh, it's it's nice to have, you know. I just noticed here, Terry Berry won the Young Player of the Year Award. Uh, it wouldn't be a well-known name, but any memories of him? Yeah, Terry was a great little player. Terry was actually, Terry filled in for me. I think Terry might have played against Shelbourne probably near enough to the last, the probably second game. I think we... 
I think he would have had a one or be one or another day or whatever. But Teddy was a smashing player. And we had a young lad there, Mark McCormick as well, who would fill in a centre-half as well. Like all them players would have uh, contributed as well, you know, when during the panel. Well. So like we say, it was a poor season, given that we only finished a point above the relegation zone in the end. Uh, the players at the time, and certainly the supporters, they, they couldn't have seen a title challenge coming next season based off of that, could they? No, you, you couldn't, you know, and I was really desperate now, and, and uh, I think a lot of skills goes again to Ray, you know, Ray made a lot of valuable signings then as well, and uh, the season that we finished on was pretty poor, you know, so, uh, no, as you answer, you wouldn't have seen uh, a cup, uh, a league uh, winner side coming from that performance that year, you know. At the end of 1993, we, we switched our shirt sponsors from Power's Gold label to Whirlpool, uh, the yeah. World Pool jersey is obviously an iconic one. That's what the Hoops wore for the 1994 title winning season. So you played at Milltown, Peter, four leagues, three doubles. How special was it to come back and win another league and do it as captain as well? Well, you know what, uh, Carl, to be fair, it was uh, probably a little bit more special because I was getting older. I was getting more appreciative. Not that I wasn't appreciative in the first. Uh, uh, medals I got but like when you get a bit older I think you get a little bit more wiser and you know the clock is ticking away in your career and you see these opportunities and you see the league come and you say yeah I love that being captain couldn't be better and I don't know if you've been watching Robbers on TV the last month but uh, where we, we sealed the league title in Tata and of course the, the significance of that being that it was in fact the first time since 1994 at the RDS, that Robbers actually won the league themselves in a home game, which you experienced oh. against Shelburne in '94, the pitch invasions and all that. So, does that make it even sweeter when you can do that? Oh yeah, come here, listen. We were a club base, you know, like the, the supporters that we have. It's great to win at home and share it with everybody. That's right. It's great to win at home. I've always said it's great to win at home. And then if you do you ever win it away, then. Your game as champions, or whatever, but it's always, always had a bit of spice, you know, supporters there and they're cheering you on. And then when the final, the final, the final whistle goes, everybody's on and everybody's celebrating. Yeah, it's great to win at home, Carl. Really enjoyed it. That's it, Peter. Thanks so much for talking to us. I uh, hope you have a really good Christmas and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Carl, lovely to talk to you and uh, keep on hoping. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Peter. Look after yourself. Bye. Happy Christmas. Cheers, Carl. Bye bye. Um, the Leinster Cup final, um, Bowes played a sort of mix and match, so we played more of our first game, and Rovers were terrible on the day. He had recalled Paul Kavanagh to goal, but for some reason he played Alan Kane in this match. And before he, it was a late goal, Bowes got a free kick, and Pat Fennan won the header. Yeah, Pat Fennan beat Alan Kane in the air, and that was it. At the final whistle, when the final whistle went, I just walked left and, and walked out with the ground. Um, because I was so angry at the team's performance that day. It was the second time in a month where I was really angry. Um, while earlier in that season they had been losing games, but they'd been playing quite well. There was lots of promise and just wasn't happening for them. And maybe the bit of the bits of inexperience in a lot of them young players was coming to fruition. But that game against them, um, that game against Bowes, um, 
again, I left at the final whistle. It was only when I got home I heard there'd been trouble on the pitch after. And apparently Bowers fans came onto the pitch to celebrate. Some very locked took exception to it. And it just kicked, from what I can remember, kicked off from there. There was a joke at the time that the Rovers fans were so angry with their team's performance that they were trying to get to the players, but the Bowers fans got in the way. But it was a good crowd then. Patrick's Day, 93. It was absolutely packed. I think it was four of, three or 4,000 in, in, in Daily Mount that day. Um, for an Leicester Senior Cup match. Um, just shows you. But uh, yeah, it was a bad defeat. And then we went and lost 3-0 to Drogheda. And by now we were in serious trouble. Um, it was in the RDS. Barry O'Connor destroyed us that day. And I'd missed that because I was doing a musical with school at the time. And I'd saw programmes and left just before kickoff. And I couldn't believe when we'd lost 3 nothing. And I was really, I think we were all really worried. We then went out with a cup to Derry. We did a decent cup one, beating College Corinthians 3 nothing. We then played Waterford, which was going to present the test. And amazingly, we beat them. We beat them 3 nothing. Um, if memory serves, I think Stephen Gagan gave us the lead. I know Derek McGrath gave us the lead, then Gina was able to, an unbelievable goal. He got the ball in his own half. The Waterford defence pushed up. And then he just knocked it past him and ran past him and ran through. And there was just this whole, um, basically whole line of, the, the whole pitch to one in against the Warford keeper and he slid it under him beautifully. To push two up and I think Stephen Gagan then got the toward, or Dan McGrath got the toward, I'm not sure who, in the second half to to, um, to qualify as the quarter final. We then went to, we then went to Derry, which was a real tough place to quarter. Took the lead early through, I think, Paul Cullen. And then uh, I wasn't at this for some reason, and I was listening to it on the radio. And Paul Trainer got the last minute winner for Derry and knocked us out of the cup. So it was a pretty, that was a pretty bad ten days at the end of March '93. So I went, we three league games left against Pats at home and then against Waterford away and Sligo away, and we needed to take at least three points out of six, which was because it was only two points for a win that season. Ironically, it was the last year of two points for a win. And again, because I was doing that musical, I couldn't make the, the Pats game. Um, but I'd be moved from the RDS to Talca because the RDS uh, staff members were on strike for some reason. So the game obviously couldn't be played. So it was played in ta- in, in Talca. And um, Stephen Gagan, with a, apparently with a goalie, knocked over his head into the net 1-0. And that was a mad, huge win, magic win. So I went that on the Thursday, if we got a point down in Drogheda, we, on Waterford, we'd stay up and Stephen Gagan got a goal. and We stayed up, we drew nil-nil the last day of the season, away to Sligo, which relegated them. Um, so it was a it, it was a, a memorable season away for the way we played, if not for results. But um, that, I think that's what made 93-94 so special because of some of the set you at the end of that season. And especially the fact there was a three-way play for the Cup for the league that year with Bowes, Cork and Shells was Cork famously won after the Tour Series. Um, and then you had Dundalk in the Cup Final, only losing out the league by a point. Try to get, uh, Derry getting the Cup Semi, only losing the league by two. You know, you would have, if you'd have said that Bowes would win the league the following year, and that only Cork would really challenge them, Shells and Bowes wouldn't. Um, Dundalk would drop into the bottom six, and, 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 and Derry would barely get into the top six the following year. So, a lot changed, but it, uh, I, I think it was good. I remember reading somewhere once that Peter Eccles had actually said to, I think it might have been one of the Conroys, I'm not sure, or he said it to somebody, that he said he felt this team, if they just could, got a bit more experience, 
could really do something. And that's what Ray did in the, in the summer of 93. He brought in the likes of Everston, he brought in the likes of O'Neill, he brought in the likes of Alan Bourne. He brought, he brought in experienced players that that summer and they basically helped the, helped the team. And that's why we won the league in 94. It was a progression. Um, Peter in his second spell at Rawls, I probably more remember him in this spell than I would in his first spell. Obviously, he was great in his first spell, won four medals. But he was a consistent at centre-back, even like when there would have been other centre-backs at the club. I think when he came back in in 89-90, he would have been paired with Barry Murphy. Then John McDonald came in, he would have been paired with him. And then probably he was his best partner for them two seasons, the 293 and the 294 was Gino Brazil. And him and Gino were, were outstanding at the back together, um, especially the year we won the league. Um, he was fantastic that year in 92-93. Um, like again, there was just goalkeeping errors and you know and, and other, and other errors of young players which cost us, but Peter was still the consistent. He always was. And 93-94, he was, he was an outstanding captain for us winning the league and uh, led by example, scored a few vital goals, uh, one at home to Galway, most memorably. And uh, Peter was just Peter. Um, just say the words Peter or Pedro to a Rovers fan and immediately Peter Eccles comes to mind. Five league wins, if Big Al wins it next year, he'll match it. Um, and it's still the only man to win five league medals with Shamrock Rovers and I think that itself says it all about him. Uh, great guy, met him on a number of occasions and uh, was proud that uh, at my wedding back in 2017, table number five was was named after him. Uh, the 92 93 uh, played the year, I didn't go to. Uh, I was 16, it was a 15 going on 16, didn't drink, and I think the night of it, I was actually at a function for the music and I'd just done. So I couldn't be in two places at once. Um, the player got Young Player of the Year, Terry Berry. Uh, Terry was really good when he came in in 93 94. Um, and he think he scored famously scored the winner in Monaghan. I think in the sec the second last game and the third last game, the second last games against Shells, Peter was injured and Terry came in alongside Gino. And Vinnie Atkins had come home at that stage and it was seen that Vinnie Atkins would be a threat against us and he marked him over, especially the game in Talga Park. He never gave Vinnie Atkins a sniff that night. Um, he was really good and uh, so he well deserved it. But Peter outstanding in 92-93 and um, he was the one consistent and an inconsistent year and uh, look, he, he was fantastic so he uh, it, Pedro was just an absolute legend and uh, always to, to Rovers fans of the 80s era my era and um, which would be 80s 90s to today and to ask anyone around age who's your your favorite one of your favorite Rovers players and there's a chance that Peter will be in the top three top four um, easy and uh, with some he'd be top one and uh, to uh, name a, a table at one my wedding was, a, was I was thrilled to do that because he was just so bloody good and uh, it, it great, it'd be great to see him back at more matches because he gets some some reception I remember when the 1914 came back the week Ray Tracy died Lord Westerman he got a stand, he got a great ovation that night Peter did um, now Stephen Gagan didn't but look that wasn't I didn't think that was the time for that now Stephen had made an appearance to pay tribute to his own manager that should have been respected. So that's just my opinion anyway. Um but yeah, 92, 93, some very good memories. Um as a young 15, 16 year old going to League of Running Games and then going back to Pier Street and, and you'd be panning around with your mates and I think at the time one of my mates at the time his sister was chasing me. God love her, she must have she must have locked not wrong with her, but she was <laughs> 
she used to, and she used to be asking, "What's wrong with you?" And Robert was after losing, and I'd be in the pits of the pits of despair. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great, very inconsistent season, but a, a lot of good memories. Um, Rover's Christmas story. Um, well, I think back, Carl, was a lot of games that would have been called off at that time. Uh, 95-96 were due to play Dundalk I was selling programs it was in the RDS already the match was cancelled um, 98-99 oh, sorry 99-2000 were due to play UCD and uh, again the game was uh, the game was postponed because of inclement weather as they used to call it at the time and we had to go back and um, I don't know what I had to do but um, I think we the lads who were going out, uh, panning around with at the time at matches, um, I think we ended up in town that night. And we watched, I think, we were in Buskers, and uh, we watched Coventry beat Arsenal 3-2. Robbie Keane, I think, got an absolute peach of a goal that night. Davos Sucre scored for Arsenal, but it was a huge thing. For us. So a few of us decided to move on to Club M. And we got to Club M, half the Rover squad were in there anyway. <laughs> so, we... We were uh, we were having a good chat with them that night and uh, good laughing. We would have been in their early twenties, young lads. Most of Rovers team probably would have been mid to late twenties, so it was good to wouldn't have been a big lover at club man, but it was, wasn't really many places open that night. But yeah, I remember that all right. Um it's the one thing I miss, um Kat, is the one thing I miss about winter season not being here is the games over Christmas. Um, we had a New Year's Eve game we were supposed to play down in Cork in 2000-2001 was called off and there was a lot of us that gone down there for the weekend and the main part was the game and when the game was called off we had to do other things which was like, so we just went to the pub now we, it wasn't just lads who went down that weekend there was girls as well so girls that it was a girl I was going out at the time and some of my mates were going out with and they were going, going out with their girlfriends as well at the time so we all went down so we had a good trip, but the main purpose of the, ma- the, the trip was to go down for the match. Now, the game was we played three and a half weeks later on Wednesday, and Rovers won 2-1. Um, it was the week of the 6-4 game, <laughs> so that tells you that was. Um, there was also a famous League Cup final the year in 98-99, and we lost 1-0 on a Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. I think we left Dublin at 9 that morning, so Jordan, Jordan Christmas holidays, so... Yeah, um, and then when summer football came in, I think the last Christmas games was um, the O two O three uh, transition season was called. Um, I think we drew, we lost one of the shells. I think one lad called Mark was it Mark Roberts? I think scored the winner for shells. He was Scottish, and then we went the following Friday and beat Drogheda two nothing. Um, so yeah, that, it, it, it's the one thing I do miss about winter football is the Christmas games. I don't miss about anything else. But many postponements, um, most famously 1999, that one, yeah. Snow and orange balls, there probably was, but I, I, I can't really remember. The one Christmas one, and uh, we played Waterford in December 1990, it was the 30th, and uh, we'd been struggling for a while. Um, we had lost, I think, our previous three matches, and I got out of the League Cup semi to Limerick under Noel King. And uh, we played Waterford, we beat them 3-1, and James Hancock played for Rovers, his one and only appearance. And he, he'd been with Bray for a while, I think Devo would come in as technical director, so Devo had brought him, I think he'd come home from either England or America, or somewhere anyway. But he played that day, and he, he wasn't exactly great, and he never played for us again. 
So there'll probably be more Christmas memories that'll come back to me. But that's I think right for I there um sorry no king getting the sack the following year, New Year's Eve. That was one. Um trying to think if there's any any more. Um I think that's pretty much it, I think, from what I can what I can remember anyway. Um but yeah, obviously if you count an early January match, January eighty seven being two 0 down the bowls at Milltown and then beating them three two, part one. You know, that's probably a memory as well from Christmas games. But yeah, that that's the the the, the funny one would be the one in nineteen ninety two thousand the U C D game called Off in Santry and then all of us meeting in town later, going to Buskers. I think myself one or two Robert players in there, but then going to Club M and seeing a lot of the Robert players in there as well. So that'll be a memory. So Keane getting the hook. Got the hook, Gar. Got the hook swaggering around, little Charlie, in the middle of the park. A petulant Roy Keane in his early days. Yeah, swaggering around. But like I said, that man is ridiculous. He is ridiculous. Ridic- but uh, missing Robert's games to being a musical part-timer. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, No, no, no. As he says, uh, five league medals, a record for Rovers player, but Adam Manis can equal that next year. Oh, equal. That's all he can do, I think. Unless we get him into his party. Will he be playing in his party? Will he be 40 will he, when he retires for Rovers? If he does. He's 40, he's 40 in May, so yeah, he will be 40. Um, so yeah, so that was. Uh, Peter and Joe's thanks to Peter for his second appearance in the podcast lovely guy and uh, thanks to Joe's for that delve into 92-93 you really felt like you were there with his rundown it's really, really is. <laughs> I don't know how he does it and uh, just in relation to that I want to thank Tommy Tarmy who uh, added something to my Buke collection uh, and that was John Coffey's biography I hadn't even heard about it so I, I wouldn't have thought to buy it and I talked to him afterwards at the f- the four provinces, and he said he said he figured I wouldn't have bought it because I was bereaved, and I just it was out pretty recently. So he said I'll just uh, buy that in Easton's and send it to Carol, which is really nice to him, or really nice of him. And uh, it actually said Professor on the address, which was a nice touch. <laughs> nice. So thanks to Tommy for that and. And and the reason I bring this up is because uh, I got a text. You know how I love reading old texts from Jim Conroy. Here. He had read the the Caulfield book, and he just kind of got a text out of the blue from him about it. And he just goes, "I really enjoyed uh, the John Caulfield book. He really loves the game and the League of Ireland. The day Bowles blew the league in Dundalk in '93 brought back great memories. We were in Sligo that day. Some piss up." So that was from Jim. From Jim. Yeah, you see, Caulfield won the league with Cork in 93. Uh, the season we were talking about with uh, Peter Eccles. But only after a long, drawn-out three-way playoff. There was three clubs, Cork, oh, Shelburne, Bowes, played each other in a round robin. And they ended up level on points. Again, so they had to do another round of playoffs. Oh, fuck off. Three-way playoff. Would you ever stop? Oh, it was madness. But Bowes could have wrapped up the title on the last day of the regular season had they just gone to Dundalk and got even a draw. 
but they surprisingly lost 1-0. Their bus broke down on the way to the game and they were late. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong uh, did go wrong. And but of course, but of course, then from the next season, the FUI brought in goal difference because they they learned their lesson. Uh, although they did persist with that stupid mid-season split for another season. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's their player of the year series. I think I've, I was looking up the list on Wikipedia. You know the way it, it uh, shows all the winners. We're probably the only ones who have that. I've never seen another football club Wikipedia page with that. No, no. If you go in balls, there's only like five of them listed there or something. So I mean, that's class. I love it. I was looking at it. I'd say there's about four or five left who we want to do and who would be willing to do it. That sort of way. The game I can't remember yet, player. Um, I don't think so. No. Uh, he definitely do an interview. He'd be going yeah. to get talking. Simon Madden would be one now. I'd say. Uh, there you go. I don't know. Yeah, we've certainly quizzed him a few times. We've not interviewed him. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, four or five left. I'd say. Obviously, does does one or two like Gary Twig? We don't want to do that on the phone ever. So he won't be prepared. He won't be you part of this. Doing another cost job with those travel up, stay in the hotel. Yeah, hundred percent. Bring him out on the rip. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, just some quick news on Twitter. It was Ronald Finn's birthday on Tuesday, so happy birthday, Skipper! Happy birthday, Skip! And pe- people have seen Roberts have been doing this look back series. Uh, so you got the usual legends be featured like Pepper and Derek Tracy, but. They've thrown in plenty of cult heroes as well, like Ed Green. That was out of left field. And kind of ironic given today's guest, but uh, don't mention the war. Uh, even Russell, <laughs> Russell Payne, you've got in there. That's kind of a throwback. He was our goalkeeper in late 2004 and early 2005 until Baz made his debut. And, uh, Russell Payne. Uh, I thought that I thought of like some DC comic, some <laughs> badass cop. Yeah. Killed in the line of duty. I actually interviewed Baz a couple of months ago. We just haven't gotten around airing it yet. Like, it's quite a long one. But uh, in the new year, Defo, of course, he won the award three times. So he's. he's uh, He should definitely feature in this series. So, yeah. So the club announced a heap of uh, contract renewals for 2022. Uh, you'd imagine all these were tied up weeks ago or even months ago but I suppose they're social media accounts they need something to talk about don't they in the off season yeah that's it hard news so no surprises really um, I mean there had been rumours for a long time of Rory Gaffney going back to Galway but he, he was included there he's staying uh, Nudger he's signed up after his loan spell at Longford Barry Cotter is staying remember in, in the interview with us he told us he wasn't sure about that yet so are you happy with those ones there <laughs> I gotta be happy. I mean, Gaffney, Nudger, Nudger. No, I whenever I saw him play for Longford, which was a couple of times last season, last season, I thought he was good. Um, another season on loan could could work wonders for him, and it's it's a system and a method that seems to work in the for these players in the lower leagues as well. Like I mean, I did Jack wonders when he went to Camborg. You've got the players that would be contracted to big teams who take a couple of steps down and. Um, play competitive football consistently so it's good to see him get some more games underneath his belt see if he can eventually nudge his way in to the first team ah, ah. I, like, I see Cobb hasn't affected your sense of humour there yeah, Gary yeah, like that one. 
But yeah, no, you got to be happy. Especially Carr as well. Carr is going to be a, a good utility man, I'd imagine. If he can't nail down a spot, he's going to be able to slot in anywhere, you know. And any thoughts on Adam Manis and Liam Pauls, Garrett, that you'd like to share with uh, the management team? Sorry, you're breaking up there, Kyle. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Uh, we Can have... I <laughs> oh, I hear you. Is that you there, yeah? That actually sounds like very realistic breaking up. Uh, well done. <laughs> so we have... I'm working on that. I've had time on my hands. <laughs> We also had uh, Sean Jones Carey, who is a a seventeen-year-old defender. He's the newest face in there. I'm always suspicious of people with double-barrel names, to be honest. Yeah, I I hadn't even heard this guy, so I had to delve into the background. Apparently, he's been injured for a while, and he was very, very good fullback, pacey, strong, tall fullback. So I think I think possibly left. But either way, definitely, if it's right, then very, very welcome addition because it's somewhere we're going to be. Uh, possibly freeing up a position there in the next two years with Finner. Yeah, no offence to Jason Walsh McLean, but just just pick one name. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of departures, aside from Joey, who we'll, we'll definitely talk about in detail on next week's show, we had uh, Dean Williams going to Drogheda, and we had Max Murphy going to Bowes in a multi-year deal. Multi-year deals, and I think they signed someone from the Carolina Redhawks as well. <laughs> but they're not, not going to affect us ultimately because they weren't in the team. Like Max came on and was a shoe in, or not shoe in. He was a stopgap every so often in the wrong position. Seabrook, I'll be honest, he never really looked like doing much for me. Whenever we saw him lining up and warming up on the sideline coming on, if we did need a go, honestly, I like, I just thought to myself. Oh, like he just never seemed to fit in. Like he's a good finisher, and I don't know. Is he, is is he gonna score ten, fifteen goals in this team and help us win a league? Unfortunately, not. So we can listen. I wish him all the best. It's it's been unfortunate that he couldn't progress and start and nail down the starting line or uh, starting position. Listen, it is. He gotta go. He has to go on. Yeah, I mean, you you can't say we didn't give him a chance because. Um looking at my, my my stat sheet earlier I think he had a run of 10 games in a row where he came off the bench you know I mean I, I can't recall any impacts Williams made in those 10 games you know but uh, 10 10 in a row off the bench yeah and uh, although we do have his jersey gear our, our whatsapp group owns it so what are we doing with that I don't know um, uh, I think my mop needs a new head <laughs> no I don't know no, we're, we're going to uh we have plans for it in the new year. We're going to we're going to get it signed by a couple of uh, players, and hopefully we'll auction it off for the charity or something along the lines of that. Because um, yeah, no, it's uh, that's probably the plans. Yeah, balls like their multi-year deals, don't they? Which basically means more than one, but less than four. Yeah, so it could be two and a half, could be three. Considering their part-time, I don't think they can announce it. There's a revenue, maybe I don't know. I'm trying to dodge something. I'm just intrigued by this multi-year thing. It just it's it's amuses me. But uh, right, so next up we have Winston meets Rohan Ricketts, and uh, I will warn you, <laughs> he's Rohan is a little self-involved. That's what I will say. Yeah, I mean, I 
I rarely uh, edit down interviews. I, like, I can't even remember the last time I did it. And I had to cut 20 minutes from this. And it's still nearly an hour. So make, make of that what you will. Yeah, so enjoy. But, uh, no, but our pal Winston, he can work with anything, can't he? So uh, it, it's never dull. I'll put it that way. No. So here we go. Okay, so we're delighted to be joined by former Arsenal Spurs and Shamrock Rovers midfielder. It's the man with more clubs and Tiger Woods, Rohan Ricketts. Welcome to the podcast, Rohan. It's, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me, pal. It's a pleasure. Third time lucky. We've been trying to get it done for a while. Two times the charm, all right. Now, now come here. You, you live in Ontario these days, uh, where you run the Rohan Ricketts Academy. So, so how's life in Canada uh, and, and the old school going? Um, life in Canada is really lovely. The, the lifestyles here is um, a lot better, I would say, than England for the most part, especially if you have children. It's a lot safer. Um, obviously, depending on where you're living, but for the most part, it's a lot safer. Lots of parks, a lot of greenery. Um, and then in terms of the, the football academy, there's not a lot of high-quality coaching and high quality uh, knowledge over here for football. It's not in abundance. So over here, I'm a, you could say I'm a biggest fish in a smaller pond, even though Canada is like one of uh, the second largest country in the world. But in terms of the football, um, it's a smaller pond. And so my mission here is to help improve player development and the coaching development in Canada. Like, don't get me wrong, if they don't know it intentionally. So sometimes you might see them do so, ah, well done there. But then most, most times they're making, they're taking three touches when they should have took one or two. They're taking one touch when they should have taken three. Like, like so they just don't have the averages right. Uh, well, look, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir there because I, I, I was a coach young lad, so I know a thing or two about a thing or two, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's the same. It's, I find now myself, chess, great, great for that. We get them to play chess, get them to read the game, the next move, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's terrific. And they come on leaps and bounds. You know, it's, it, 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 it's incredible getting them into that. Now, the, other, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, do you get any coaching tips from Ted Lasso? Have you seen that? Ted Lasso? Who's Ted Lasso? He, 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 he's, he, he's a man that. He coaches Rich, uh, Rich, Richmond. Richmond Hill? Richmond United, a Yank who's come over and, and he's, geez, he's doing wonders with the team. Where, 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 where is this? It's a, back, back, back in England, in, in, in London. I'm not sure who that is. I know Actually, the name. You should look him up, uh, Rohan. He, he, he's a great actor and it's great though because he, because he comes from the States, a c- completely different background. You know, even the things like you're saying there yourself uh, in regards to the background staff, the approach to the game... You know, it's, and he's quite a turn on his head. It's a breath of fresh air. But uh, he's, some, he's some great tips. I and mean, he, he's a lovely fella. Seems like, a, a, you know, just a real down-to-earth nice guy, you know? Mm. Um, but, but, but listen, uh, it would have been, uh, for the original interview, it would have been 10 years to the day. So it's two weeks ago now. 
that you scored that lob. Third uh, uh, of October, two thousand and eleven, it was. Uh, now, very clever when you watch it. Very clever with the movement and all, and all that, and you're, and you're so in for the lob. What, what do you remember of it? And I'm sure you, you I'm sure it's shown a lot to the to the to the, to the lads in the in the academy. What? You know what's funny? I I wish I had more footage of my time at Shamrock Rovers because I had such a special time there, fan, fantastic memories, uh, great relationships, um, and that mm-hmm. moment. And more so for me, that it was the game before that. Or was it, no, was it that game? Who did we? I can't remember if we played the game before that, or was it that game? Or no, or was it the game up? There was a game we played. Uh, no, I think it was the game after when when the pack the fans in, invaded the pitch, um, and I remember I broke down in tears. It was a wonderful moment, but I wish I had more really? footage. Yeah, yeah, I broke down in tears, man. I saw the Irish people, the Shamrock Rovers fans invade the pitch, and I was just in. I broke down. It was just, it was a, a special moment to see so many people so happy, like because we we won the league. It was just yeah, to see how much it meant to these people that touched me so deeply. So I broke down in tears like a... Oh, like was a was that your first experience of that, Rohan? Being a um, part of something like that? Or? Well, mm, good question. I think so. So as a young player um, uh, at Arsenal, we won everything. So we was running on a regular basis. Um, then I was at Arsenal when Arsenal was the Invincibles, but I wasn't a regular in the squad. I made one appearance for the first team against Man United, but I wasn't a regular. So I didn't experience it there. But I did in the youth team. We won the youth cups. We won other stuff. Uh, then went to Tottenham. Didn't win anything at Tottenham under um, under Glen Hoddle. Stayed there for three years. Then went to Wolves. Stayed for two years. Didn't win anything there. Barnsley, no. Then I went abroad. At Toronto FC, we didn't win the league, but we won this little cup. But yeah, I would have to say but, yeah. But that, yeah. That, that connection to fans more so than 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 the silverware was that. That's it. Seems to me that that was something special. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Now looking back, it because you know with the smaller clubs, it's just a bit more. I don't it's know. Bond, isn't it? Yeah, there's more of a bond and there's less privacy. You still got your privacy, but it's just a closer connection. And I really, really felt that. Um, and I wish I, like I said, I had more footage to show to these kids in the academy. But from that, from that day, that goal, what I can remember is just now looking back that it was it was something that. When he kicked the ball, I didn't. I didn't plan. Okay, I'm, he's going to kick the ball, and then I'm going to run him behind. It was more so big kick. And where I was standing, I was just kind of watching it, and I just I reacted quicker to the situation than the centre back. And it, it bounced, bounced, and then by the time I was re- I was seeing his body position that he was looking to let it go, and I was sneaking in behind him. Right? If, if maybe if they would have communicated better, and someone would have seen. The fullback, then they might have caught me, but he let it bounce, bounce, and then it dropped to me. And then I, I probably hit it a little bit higher than I needed to. Oh, geez, you're talking it, it was floated there for a, for a long time. I mean, yeah, only, only two boys out me burger by the time it dropped in. Yeah. It was hooked <laughs> that high, but it just sailed, you know, gone. Yeah, that moment there, because that was the goal that clinched really the title. Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah, and that was against the rivals. The game was a tough game. 
So yeah, that was a special moment, man. Hopefully, I can get I get a chance to go back to uh, Shamrock Rovers and uh, say hello to the fans because I was actually thinking about doing a documentary uh, where I was going to make a comeback, and then I was going to reach out to Stephen Bradley to see if he'd be interested in taking me on trial and see if I still still could help the team. So it was a documentary I wanted to do because no one's really done that. No one's really left and come back. And, and seeing what what you know what you what you've learned on the journey, what you're bringing back in now, how it all will work that. out. All of that, all of that. I tell you, it's it's well, it's interesting enough. I I I I'll be seeing a couple of the backroom staff lads. I'll I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll just drop that in there, Rohan, for you. See what they see what they make of that. You know, and, and plus you can go back and check out the academy here now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's doing wonders, you know. Oh but yeah, transferring of information. You tell what you know. They'll show what they know. You know, it's, it'd be great. Um, now, uh, Roy, okay, so 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 that allowed us obviously to see the 2011 title in UCD the following week. That's that's who we played the following week. Um, now, Michael O'Neill signed you late in that season. Uh, what, what, what did you think of him as a manager and, and, and the squad that we had? Uh, Michael O'Neill for me, fantastic man manager. Um, I never once, and obviously it's easy to say that when I was playing most of the time, uh, but he was just a good man manager. He communicated to you what was going on. Well, to me, he did. Um, he just kind of looked after me. Like, I went to Shamrock Rovers and I wasn't like in top top shape um, because I was a, without a club for a little while. So when I turned up, turned up, there wasn't much fit. First game got there, threw me in. Um, threw me in, got two assists on the in the first game, and he just knew how to take care of me, knew how to use me. He valued me. Um, yeah. So, so and, and that, that and helps thought, enormously. Oh, that's a big thing. So one yeah, thing is valued. Exactly, and the other thing is the value. But he knew how to communicate that, so I knew why. Like he let me know why it. So you, you, I felt special with him because he let me know you're in the, you're in a team to provide quality, to create, to do something maybe that the other boys don't do so naturally. And when he lets you know that, you feel value, and 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 then you can actually go on the pitch a lot more comfortably and go and do what you're there to do, you know. And so I think he has that part down down to a T, you know, man management. And and I'm I'm assuming that he's grown as well since then. He's, he's probably learned from his experiences. And I think tactically as well, he was quite astute. We had Jim Magilton there as well. Jim, lovely guy. Lovely guy. So yeah, it was it was real good stuff. Yeah, well, it's like I always say, Rohan, that there's no I in team, but there's an M and an E, you know, and, and like that, you have to utilise these people, their talents, their players, where they fit, how they're going to bring out the best in other players, you know, and, and I, th- I think that's very, very important. And uh, Michael, Michael seemed, to, seemed to get that from you. Yeah, he did. He just he just knew, like I said, some days he played me central midfield, he played me on the left, but it would allow me to go kind of, he never said to me, I remember I've, I've played for coaches where they're like, oh, stay on the left. And then you just literally stay out on the left or stay on the right. And I'm a central midfield player. But 
he could see that I was a guy that went to Rome. Well, if you play me central midfield, I'll be central midfield. But if you put me on the left or right, I'm going to pick up, pick up spaces where I see him and go and create. But you have some coaches that are so... Dogmatic. Um, they keep you caged almost. Yeah, they keep you caged. And, and it's like, hold on a minute. If you just allow me to flow, I can pick up the ball in different areas of the pitch, which is going to um, cause more problems for the opposition because I'm going to be coming at them from different angles, overloads. I could, I've got a through pass. and there's, there's so many different variables. But he understood that and he allowed me to just go and do what I love to do, which is go and create and entertain. And um, we reap the benefits. Um, it, it, it's a shame that... Um, it didn't last longer or it wasn't a bigger league. Because as, as it was what, 10 years ago, so I was 28, I still had that um, fire in me to go and play at a higher level. And maybe if the league was maybe a bigger league, maybe I would have stayed there longer, you know? Yeah. Well, you mentioned there you were 28 uh, at that stage, but you already had a media career on the side. Uh, you, you had a TV and radio and radio work. Uh, and you had a book, a blog, and a website. So, so you, you, you obviously, from what we were speaking about earlier, you, you, you obviously love that side of it. Yeah, I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. So, from a young boy, um, I always wanted to create stuff, and I was always um, coming up with ideas. I'd write them down just as a little boy, and I always wanted to create my own things, work for myself, create my own um, income streams. That's how I thought. So when I, I went to the, the, the England's a bit different because when I played in England at the highest level, then obviously social media wasn't out there. Yeah. But you, 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 you're fixated on training, playing, going home, training, playing, going home. And then when I played in North America, I was exposed a bit more to um, the media in the sense where not that I was exposed more to the media, because I was on, I was doing like interviews and stuff in England, but I was exposed to um, a lot more the marketing kind of arm of a business, and then I was plugged into that. So they saw, okay, look, this guy's got personality. We're gonna put, we get. They had, I had a show called Rolling with Ricketts with with Toronto FC. That was a brilliant show for me, and it had a blog. So it was a video blog, and it was a, a written blog. And that was getting hundreds of thousands of views every time it was up um, on the, um, the written one. And then the, 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 the visual one was getting a lot of views also. So I, I was kind of putting my personality out there. Uh, the people gravitated towards me, loved my writing style. I was writing all the stuff. And, and, then, and then I was on different TV shows, got a chance to meet 50 Cent. Uh, he had my, 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 my top on my kit, the Ricky's top for Toronto FC. So I was just learning a lot about marketing and, and media. And then I was just on a lot of shows. I was going on a lot of TV shows. As I, as I was saying, at the time, I was a bigger fish in a smaller pond. So at the time, you're not going to see Ron Ricketts, uh, like I say, Ron Ricketts playing on match of the day at that age, right? Yeah. You're not going to see it, but you don't really see that guy that's playing right now. On match day, but over here, they I was a big fish in a small pond, so they had me on certain TV channels commentating on certain games when I was I had a day off because it's five hours behind. Yeah, uh, I did. I, I did mention before um, to, to one of the lads when, when I was looking at your Wikipedia page. Uh, I, I, I'll just see if we can. Uh, 
I'll just see if I could share the the, the screen because I was very impressed with the uh, with the picture. Uh, I said to myself, Jesus, he, he, he it, it, it looks like he's uh, it looks like he's got his own D- uh, BBC detective uh, show, like uh, Luther or one of, one of them. I, I'll just share it with you now. Well, you're probably aware of it yourself, but there. No, it's not that one. Where are we? Oh, <laughs> And uh, he's a right wing back now. And uh, Rovers are on the verge of back-to-back uh, league titles for the first time since uh, you were here in 2011, Ronan. So you, you, I'd imagine you'd be, you'd be happy to hear that. Yeah, what what a footballer he is. I like, I love playing with him. One second. Have I What a footballer he was, uh, or still is. Um, great engine, which, which is why he's playing probably right wing back now at his age. Um, technically very, very good. Good football IQ. Can create, can score, can tackle. He can do a bit of everything. He's a player that should have been probably um, playing in England or somewhere else, you know. And, but well, well done to the Irish clubs that have um, made him offers to stay home, you know. So, yeah, well, keep him good, here. Good, good footballer, very good. And, and, what, what's he like as a, as a bloke himself? Like, he, he, loves good, him? he loves a good old crack. He does. He has a good old crack. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Well, I want to say he loves a good old crack, but all the Irish guys they love a good old crack. They really love it. Oh, funniest, yeah. funniest one. The two funniest guys from what? the team. Though, who, who, who do you think they are? Take a guess. The two funniest guys. Thompson, was he funny? Ryan, that's my brother. No, yeah, Ryan's funny, but he's he's funny. It's different because he's Jamaican, so he's funny. But well, everyone, might, just, but, but just being serious, yeah, everyone in Ireland might not get his humor fully, but Ryan is definitely funny. I find him hilarious. Um, like Ryan's doing very well right now. He just got the manager's job down in um, Austin. So he's, he's, he's just got, yeah, he literally just got head coach job, man. Like about, I want to say a month ago. And he started off, I think they won three games on the bounce. Doing very well, Ryan Thompson. Um, so we wish him well, then with that. Yeah, yeah you got to get him on it. But um, the, the funniest two guys, Chris Turner, he is hilarious. And I think Stevie O'Donnell. They, they, for you, they were, the, they were the two funniest. All right, those two. Those two were hilarious. Their sense of humor is just next level. They could easily, easily be stand-up comedians somewhere. Well, it must be the name Torah because I know a fella, and a million of them is like opening a bag of monkeys. You know, it's just chaos, chaos ensues. So it, it, it must be something in the name, possibly. But those two guys, what are they doing now? Any? I know Chris Turner's in Scotland, isn't he? 
Jason, do you know what? You can you cut me there? I'm not really one of the 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 the, the, the prof who you, who we were talking to on Instagram. He he's the statistician. You know he knows all. You don't, don't give a damn. Him. You don't give a damn with that, do you? <laughs> I just care about the fellas in front of me. <laughs> um. Now, obviously, you, you, you mentioned your your your, your appearances for the Gunners, uh, Lee Cook, Toy with Man United. Uh, Fergie and Wenger uh, put the reserves out that day, and you came on as a sub at the age of eighteen. So that's that's, that's obviously a terrific memory. That was a special day because I was at Arsenal from nine, ten years old. It's it's every kid's dream to stay at a club and make your debut for the first team. To go all the way through with the with the players that we were competing with, we were teammates, but we were competing against each other, all vying for an opportunity in the first team. And at 16 years old, I made my debut, but I was in a friendly game for the first team. And I can't remember who we played. And did really well. And Arsenal Wenger, and he told me in the office and the other coaches, Don Howe and Neil Banfield, they'd let me know that Alzheimer was a big admirer of me and just keep going. But unfortunately, at the time, the team was, the squad was the Invincibles and Arsenal one of the strongest teams in the world. So it was very difficult. So, like, yeah, to hard to break in. Oh, super hard to get. So, so remember, I was a central field player and the two guys in my position were Patrick Vieira and, and, and Emmanuel Petit. So, it was virtually impossible when they're fit to get in there. You're not going to start. And then you had guys behind them like Edu. Um, then they brought in um, they brought in Colo Torre for a bit. They brought in Jules uh, Um But they so it was just quite it was difficult. But you kept trying, and then to get the opportunity at 18 to put on the Arsenal shirt at the old stadium at Highbury against the team I was supporting as a boy. That was a fantastic achievement and a proud moment, I'm, I'm assuming, for my, my family, my father. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it was, um, it was brilliant. And it was something that um, it helped take me um, around the world. And I, learned, I learned a lot along the journey, great memories, so, so many amazing things. But yeah, well, what a journey that is. But before we head around the world, Rohan, we'll skip across uh, across London to Spurs because you were there for three years then. And yeah. what's it like making the jump from 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 obviously the the, the Gunners to the Spurs, as the, as the lads say? Yeah, at the time, like I said, you just want to play professional football, and a lot of people ask me this question: How could you do that? How did it feel? Just, oh no, we could understand how you do it. You know, there's no problem there. You know, we go anywhere myself. But, but just what's it like dealing with that? Deal with that. Um, at the time, like I said, I wasn't super well known at the time. There were people that knew me from my time at um, Arsenal. Um, played one game and we won a lot of youth cups and were arguably the most successful youth team that they had. Um, but when the opportunity, when the opportunity presented itself to go and play for Tottenham um, and be a part of the first team squad at that age. I couldn't turn it down, and it was um, it was easy to do. And then I think what made it a lot easier for me, once I got there, actually, was the fact that Glenn Hoddle was the coach, and Glenn Hoddle um, um, it really appreciates footballers. And that's, uh, what I mean by that is, there's players that play football, 
and then there's players that are footballers and it just, it's a bit more natural to them and, and they're a bit more skillful and because they're so maybe skillful and comfortable with the ball, they maybe are more creative than the next guy. Um, and Glenn has a soft spot. Um, I don't want to say soft spot. He admires those players and appreciates them a lot. Um, you know, because football is a funny old game. And uh, I believe it was Russ Cole who once said, time is a flat circle. Make it that what you will. But, 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 but now, I, 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 I know you're a big fan of Paul Ince, the governor. Uh, and you, you played with him at Wolves. So uh, was he, for you, was he the best player that you played with in your career? Or was it, what was that like? Playing with Paul Ince, special. Special experience. I wouldn't say he's the, you know what? There's some players, because I can speak to a different person and give a different answer. Some people like the skillful guys. Some people like the guys that, very industrious and got a bit of skill. Um, I'm a guy that really appreciates the more artistic type of players. Um, doesn't mean that they're more, the more valuable player in the team. But points, I can say without doubt, was the best captain I had. Co coaching is not necessary to put the, the cones down and get the balls out. And Okay, boys, we're going to do a passenger today. And, oh, one, two, sharp up. That, that's, that's coaching to a certain level, but there's educating, which is another side, and developing. And sometimes that has nothing to do with, anyone listening, that's my little princess daughter in the background. She's just playing around. She's a little three-year-old. Havana, estás bien, mi amor? Sí, no hablas duro porque estás haciendo una entrevista, ¿ok, mi amor? Let me see. Okay. Yeah, that's my princess, Havana. So, Havana? Havana, yeah. Was, was, was that Espanol you were, you were speaking to her there? Si, sí, senor. Yes. Hola, hola, Havana. Hola, Havana. Dile hola. Solo dile hola. So, hola, rapidito, porque es... Hola? No. She, 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 she's not interested, pal. She's very sure. She must get that from you, Rohan. <laughs> so, where, where, like, wherever you... I never equate what I am, or my happiness, sorry, to what I am and what I've become or my experience, it's more who I've become in the process. So yeah, I've played for Arsenal. Yeah, I've played for Tottenham. Played in Old, at Old Trafford, Anfield. I've done that. But that doesn't mean too much to me. But the person that I've become through my experiences is the real success. And that's why I find um, happiness and content. content. So the, 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 the happiness is, is, is the prize within you for, yeah. all, for all these, these, these journeys. I like that. I like that, Rohan. Yeah. Very, it's, it's very, it reminds me, I, 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 I do a bit of Tai Chi up at the community centre on a Friday with my wife, and it's a very zen type of uh, out, outlook, you know? Yeah. Very, very because, much so. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you have different types of people, right, that, were born in different countries, um, different circumstances, different opportunities. And I um, think, okay, I was born in England, certain area where they played a lot of football, got scouted by Arsenal, bang, 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 lovely days, happy days. But then you got a kid 
maybe born in North India. He, the chance of him playing for Arsenal are like slim to none. It, it probably is, it's not even going to happen. So, is he meant to be unhappy? Is he meant to be sad? Is he meant to be um, pressed? No. Why not? Because the necessities in life are food, shelter, and yeah, the other one. I've got the other one. So, you, um, we have those stuff, you know, and we have to enjoy what we have, not, not, not get upset about what we can't have. That doesn't even make any sense, because like I just said, so why would you get upset? It's like getting upset. It's getting angry that you, back in the, let's just say for some of you, you, you had um, five channels, but then you know down over the road, some guys got 100 channels. Like, enjoy your five, because that's your reality. You're and, not going to watch them all at the one time, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, the, uh, we all yeah. end up watching one, one, one channel at a time, and that's it. You know? Exactly. Um, now, 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 Rohan, you're, you're arguably one of the world's most travelled footballers. Uh, but, but, but surely you went to Rovers. You were in Canada, Germany, uh, for a brief spell. Then you were at Disco Yorkie and Dacia in 2010. Now, why the career break with Dacia? Uh, why, why did you... Was that selling cars, or was that like an executive thing at, 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 at that, or... What, say that again. Why did I what? what why the career break with with with, with Dacia? What, what, was that something that just came came up and and was that another uh, entrepreneurial event venture or? No, that that was that was a nightmare. That's what that was called. So just hard to shift, was it? Or yeah. So basically, um, people don't realize. F- fans definitely don't realize. Uh, a lot of players don't realize, um, and some coaches they realize that this football world is very fickle. So I played for it, it's. I played for Arsenal, played for Tottenham. Who is it? Wolves, um, Barnsley. Played for England up to under twenty one level. All of that stuff, right? And at one point, I was on the verge of the England team. So then I. Took a trip across the pond, went to play in, in sorry, Toronto FC, um, get away from the lifestyle that I was living in. And it was a great experience. Started to read, read a book, uh, The Power of Now, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. These books changed my life. So, yeah, um, The Power of Now and The Monk Who Sold His, the monk who sold his Ferrari, those two books changed my life and changed how I, I, I fought, how I organized my thoughts, how I um, reacted to certain situations. Um, so after that, my experience at Toronto FC, um, doing well, started to um, become more productive as a player. I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to England and play. And like I just said to you, I'd played in the Premier League most of the time, and then I went to the Championship. So. There was teams that wanted me in the Premier League and the Championship when I was there. That then all of a sudden I spent eighteen months in in the MLS, and then these people didn't want to even take you on trial. They lit you out of sight, out of mind. That's what I said. It's fickle. I, 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 that's purely because it's the MLS. Lit, yeah, people said that to agents. They, they they were saying it. They were saying, "Oh, where's he been? Oh, that's a Mickey Mouse league." And all this time, because 
like people are so like this is pathetic like it doesn't cost them a penny to see me so you can see me and go oh no it's not good enough what do you mean it's a mickey mouse league? what does that mean that like so i give an example i played for shamrock rovers who was in the europa league played against my old club spurs had a very monumental uh, moment there the fans gave me a phenomenal reception at White Hart Lane. Um, never forget that. Anyway, I reconnected with some of the staff, Harry Redknapp, Clive Allen, um, Tim Sherwood, Les Ferdinand, Chris Ramsey. Reconnected with them. I let them know, look, when my contract finishes with Shamrock Rovers, can I come back over and train with the club to stay in shape? No problem, Rowan, you're part of the family. Nope. So I leave Shamrock Rovers, go back over, start training with Tottenham. When I'm training with Tottenham, I was training with the reserves some days, and then some days um, I jumped in some of the first team with some little small sessions, five-a-sides and stuff. When I did that, first of all, training with the reserves, there's players like um, Andrews Townsend, I think Harry Kane was out alone at the time, Ryan Mason, um, all these um, players that came through and did really well. When I'm training with them, the, they, the, the players, the coaches, Tim Sherman, they could see that, oh my God, this guy's still playing. He's using me as an example to players of what can happen when you leave the club. Because I was arguably still, not arguably, you could see it was clear that I was good enough to play still at that level. So I remember Tim Sherwood, they gave me an opportunity. They played me in a reserve game, which they didn't have to do. Oh, they put my played me in two, I think they one. Then, I remember the first team called me over to train a few times. Who's training? Modric, Gareth Bell, Lennon, Jermaine Defoe. I think Adebayo was there. So I'm training with these guys. And these guys are saying to me, how can you not find a club? Because I'm training with them and they're coming to the coaching staff and people said, oh, you still got it. You're still shot. But, but I already know that. Then they're who are playing at the highest level because they, they were playing, I remember... The next day after that specific session and that comment, those comments that came to me, they were playing Man United the next day. So they're playing at the highest level and they're seeing me playing against them. So no, you still got it. You can still play this level. Because one thing that never leaves you is obviously is your touch and your, and your IQ. And then the mm. only thing that would separate me or could separate me from them is the physical levels that they're at. But I was still at a good enough level to compete with them. Yeah. But I couldn't get a trial. I couldn't get a trial. Forget they, they couldn't believe I couldn't get a trial in the Prem, let alone the championship, a trial. And this is someone I'm, just call it, I'm one of England's own. I'm from England. I couldn't get a trial. So then you ended up going, oh my Lord, where am I going to go? Because the lower down you go, the worse the football is and the more um, there, the more there is going to be of a disconnect. And it was so difficult to get back in. So I went and signed in countries where I didn't want to because I have to keep making a living, you know? So, well, just to keep on that, I don't want to drag you down too much of a, of a, of a dark path, but, but, but the likes to say the places like Mal, Moldova and Hungary, uh, like you'd find the racist abuse, the, the unpaid wages, the match fixing, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. What, what was that like? Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Hey, the, hey, the whole experience. Crazy, mate. 
the racism, walking around places in Hungary, because I was living in a place called Miskolc. It's a village out in um, Hungary. I remember, work, I remember coming out there, it's like, so that you think like you're in Sarajevo or something, the bombs have dropped and people, no one's around. You don't see any black people. Some of the white people, not all of them, some of the white people were like, not even trying to answer questions, simple questions. Excuse me, do you know where this is? They're not even looking at you. You're talking to someone, you're one step away and they, won't look, and they won't look at you. Look at you. They, like, that's crazy. But you have to, you know, Stay calm, keep it moving, on to the next. Playing for a coaches, I had three coaches in three like listen, I don't, like I had three coaches in three months. As racism, I had terrible coaches. The pitches, the 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 pitches can be bad. So I come from like a ghetto area where it's bad pitches, so I'm not going to complain too much about the pitches. But the way the coaches dealt with us, not getting paid on time. Match fixing again, not getting paid on time. Agents telling you you're gonna get this, and then, then they don't give you this. It was shocking. Then, oh, listen, uh, like a lot of people say to me, I remember Ian Wright. Ian Wright called me one day. I was, I think it was when I was on the yeah, I was on the coach on the way. I was on the coach. I think with Exeter. So we weren't too long after I left Shamrock Rovers, maybe about six months, five months after. And I was on the way to a game and Ian Wright phoned me. Uh, I can't remember how he got my number. He phones me. He's like, Ron, I know, I know what you've gone through. And it was such a nice quote to get. I know what you've gone through and to, to keep going after what you've gone through and been around here and there and that. Like, I just want to applaud you and all the best. Blah, blah, blah. And it was, a, it was a lovely phone call to get from one of my idols and a legend. Um, because I don't like, I, well, I know how I kept doing it. Cause like I said, I don't equate my happiness to where I am because imagine I equate happiness. Then I would have been in those places. Oh, jumping off a bridge, mate. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Is it, like? Yeah. But I was just content with me. I knew my value and I knew that the whole thing was a facade because I was playing with players, the players, in Hungary and Moldova and some, even Germany, when it, some of these players was like, what are you doing here? Like, like, you shouldn't be here. You should be in the Premier League. You should be here. Should be. They didn't understand why I was with them. So I didn't need any more um, validation. I already knew and then they would remind me, but I just had to stay calm because I knew that if I pick up the phone, if you pick up the phone to an agent, your options are going to be as strong as his up. Your opportunities are going to be as strong as his contacts. So forget your abilities. I I could phone, I could phone three different people, and those three people might all have connections, but there might not be the connections that my talent needs. So guess what happens? You're going to get to one of those clubs. I just yeah yeah, yeah when you've you've called a, 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 a place like Hong Kong and Bangladesh, Thailand, were they much better or? or? Bangladesh, nightmare. Listen, but Thailand. I, I see a show here, nightmare travels with Rohan. We, we go back to these places. Yeah, nightmare. I might put a nightmare episode. Yeah. So, so we have um, Thailand. Thailand was fantastic. Thailand was fa fantastic. Um, Playing wise, I enjoyed myself. 
you know, but it was just the lifestyle and the experience and the the, the, the relationships that I created. And then we had, um, where else was there? Um, um, was the other one? Hong Kong, fantastic experience. Got to win the cup there, runners up in the league. Um, just a good overall experience. Uh, so Thailand, Hong Kong, Ecuador, phenomenal experience. Like, was, like I, I suppose that was, was that where you, where you picked up the old Espanol? Si, senor. Yeah, that's where I picked up the Espanol in, 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 in South America. So even that, just learning another language. Like, if, if young, I'm actually helping a friend at the moment learn Spanish. He's a coach, uh, head of coaching and player development at Manchester United. And I'm doing a, a bit of a trial with a fo- bit of a formula. Um, and he's in, in, in a, I think it's three weeks now, a month. This guy's literally not speaking fluent, like, but he's, he can hold a little conversation with me. And well, again, the- this, this, this comes back to you being able to separate yourself from other players. You know, he speaks Spanish fluently, he'll get on with the coach, he'll slot in. That's another advantage. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's great. Now, I, I do think of, of, of Sebastian Abreu. Is, is, is the name familiar with you, uh, Rohan? He's the Guinness World Record. He's a striker from Uruguay. Uh, and he's the record holder, like 27 clubs. And I'm just thinking to myself, would you not have held on for a few more? Uh, yeah, it's funny, sir. How many have I got? Uh, I, the last check, I think, was... We put it in the notes. I'm going to break the record. How, how, many, how many clubs? Is it 13? Let me, 14. 14 we have here. Is that correct? Let me check. Let's go and check up the old Google. Let me see. Let me, let me see if the wife's up for a little. Let me see. One right there. Let me see if the wife's up for some um, world traveling. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Well, it's nineteen. No idea. So you've got so how many has he got? He's got two, he's got twenty-seven. So I need to get nine more. And then you'll 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 do it. You know what? I might just go and do this, you know. I think there's a documentary in this, Rohan. Bridge, I'll bridge the gap. Uh, what you say? Bridging the gap. There you go. You can I like that. that. <laughs> hey, listen, no, or, or I've got a better name. Have boots with the nomadic footballer, have boots with travel. I like that. That's see, mine was more BBC. Yours is very much Sky, and I like that. That's it. You know what I mean? Have boots with travel. Sky one. So I, so I need to play for ten more clubs. But nine will do it. No, 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 ten. So, mm, that's interesting. I, I, I'm going to talk about that. Eh? I'm going I'm to go because I said this. Well, I said it at the beginning of the interview that it was. Um, I was thinking about actually making a comeback because I, 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 like, I've learned so much, um, much more clarity in just who I am as a player, and the thing I, I actually phoned up my my Tottenham coach. My Tottenham fitness coach, Kunle, he's one of the top fitness coaches in the world. And he said, look, you know, like, it would be an interesting concept 
and you wouldn't have to work as hard as you worked before to get as fit because of muscle memory. And um, he said, cool. He said, well, why don't you go for it? But now, and then I reached out to Jamie Redknapp about the idea. But now this idea is a bit different. This idea is a bit different because now I'll be going for the record as opposed to just trying to make a comeback. Yeah. Oh, I think it's potential, Rohan. Mm. So mm. I would, um, I'm going to look into that. And then I could look at where I'm going to go. I need to see who's played in all the different continents because I've, I've played in... Well, you're doing uh, South America. South. You're doing Asia. South and North. Yeah. Yeah, so North America. You're, you're, you're doing Asia. Asia. You're doing the Far East. Y yeah, that comes on the Asia. Oh, no. Yeah, because as a well, I'm trying to help Asia, you out here, Ronald. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can get a bit quicker. Yeah, so we got... So I've played in... Um, what's this place called? So South America, North America... Europe and Asia. Australia. No, I never played. I had an opportunity. That was the last place that I was going to go to. And I said, no, I'm not going to. It's too far. Too far. So and what about Africa? That's where I haven't played. I've been there. I've been and played there. But that's where I'd want to go and play. So, so, so two will do, will do the whole. We'll do a lot of them. African team and an Australian or, or, or a team from, 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 from New Zealand. No, mate. Not going out there, mate. Too far, pal. Can you do it over Zoom? I wonder. That would be a good one. I like that. But I'm going to look into that. So I need to get 10 clubs to 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 break the Guinness Book of Records. The player that's played for the most clubs. I'm going to go for that. Well, but what I'll kind of clubs do I have to play? Who's he, who is this guy? What's his name? Uh, his name is Sebastian, which isn't very Uruguayan, but... Uh, Abreu, A B R E U. A B R E U. Oh, yeah, I see, man. Oh, no, he says he's played for 31 teams. Oh, 31. Yeah. Uh, anybody can, can edit Wikipedia. We'll change that for you. Don't worry. Uh. Right, well, unfortunately, Rohan, I'll tell you, I, I could talk to you for, for, for another hour and a half. It's been a pleasure, but, but, but before we go out, um, I just want to do a, a, a quick fire round with you, if you, don't, if you don't mind, if you've got the time. Is that is that all right? Of course, it's good, pal. Okay, right. So, so out of all the fucking countries that uh, I call, call out to here, so not including Ireland, England, or Canada, uh, which we we have made your home. Uh, apart from those, I'll throw a few rapid fire questions at you uh, about all these far from places you travel to, and one one or uh, one or two word answers. Right, so it's like a quick fire round. You up for that? Let's go. Roy, best manager. Oh, you just want me to give you a, a, a name? Yeah. Who who who, who for you? Wenger. 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 Roy, worst manager. Um, a guy in um, I forgot his name. That's how bad he was. That's he, how bad he was. Yeah, a guy in um Hungary. He, he's horrendous. The Hungarian was he Hungarian? Yeah, literally mess. He was. He was a mess. Roy, he's a mess. Uh, biggest wage. You don't have to answer these if you don't want it. Biggest wage. 
And don't give me some numbers, just the club. Yeah, or, Tottenham or Wolves? Wolves. Uh, lowest wage? Um, when I first started out, or when I first started out at Arsenal as, a, as an apprentice, or uh, when I went and played in Moldova, because they never paid me a penny. Paid you. I was going to say that. Moldova. Yeah. Right. Best food? Ooh, best food. Well, best food for me is Jamaican food. Right, jerky chicken and all that. Yeah. And, and, and worst food? Worst food? Ooh. In Bangladesh. That was a madness. Bangladesh, yeah. I wouldn't be too well up. No, no, Bangladesh. sorry, sorry, sorry. Take that one back. Bangladesh, no. Hung, Hungary or Moldova. You think it's in the name of the country? You think they'll have it sorted? You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, biggest language barrier? Um, hungry. Hungry. I'm starting to see a pattern here, Rohan. <laughs> uh, the best pitches. Oh, come on. I suppose Highbury Hy- probably would have been. Best pitches. Yeah, England. There's the Premier League, Highbury, White Hart Lane, all of that stuff. And then the worst pitches. I'm going to take a stab in the dark here, uh, Rohan, and say, Hungary? Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Oh, I was off on that one. Yeah, pitch was yeah. like a mad so, 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 best and worst stadium facilities? Obviously, the Premier best League. and worst. Facilities. Oh. oh. Bangladesh. Very non-existent. Bangladesh is... It's carnage. It was just a madness. Roy, now we're going to get into the cultural part of it. Uh, best nightlife? Oi. Oi. Best nightlife, because I'm... Ay, ay, ay. Thailand was... Thailand was lively. Um, yeah, Thailand... England, obviously, is good. That Thailand was just a different vibe. Well, what about what about Tala? Did we go to Tala? No, level four. Yeah, it's a good night out in Tala with my boys in Dublin. It was my boys. Tala was Tala was nice. Give it, give the old um, give the old. I used to go in Tala by myself. S- say that again. Give the old Abilene in the doors with there. <laughs> so I used to go. I used to go in Tala sometimes with Ryan, Ryan Thompson. But I also every now and again went out by myself. I was at that time. I was just kind of learning salsa dancing so I was just going out salsa um, clubs by myself just trying to um, improve my steps oh hey, really yeah, yeah I just go out by myself and next day next day I turn up to training best player in training mate because my feet were just twinkling you're, you're, you're doing the warm up already exactly uh, yeah uh, when you speak to Ryan Thompson say what was Ron Ricketts like the day after he went salsa Ask him what I was like in training. I was better then when I was rested. Well, and go fishing with him at the weekend. I'm going to ask him that. Obviously, you like at that salsa. Are you still at the old salsa? Oh, yeah. My wife's from Colombia. And we have um, a salsa school. And we teach people how to dance salsa. I love salsa. That's, enough. that's my thing after football. That's my next big passion. Dancing salsa. 
Well, I tell you, you're like an onion, Rohan. There's so many layers to you. I have to say, I, I, I look forward to And I know I, 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 I have a very high, high chance of turning on the telly and seeing you on Dancing with the Stars or, or, you know, something like that. I look forward to that, I do. Yeah, um, anything possible. The, and, and finally then, the tip of the choice, best and worst, drinks wise. Drinks? Yeah, an old bevy. I'm not a drinker, Pat, but um, if I was going to drink anything, it'd have to be rum and ting, but I'm not a drinker. Rum and ting. Rum, I don't know if you heard about rum and ting. Have you heard of it? I've, I've heard of it. I haven't heard of it. You can, you, you can educate me here now. So rum is um, uh, from a brand called Ray and Nephews. So it's a Jamaican brand. I think it's about 63%. Alcohol. Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right up your street, I bet. <laughs> Jesus, you, 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 you start the Toyota Starlet with that. Yeah, so I'm, I don't really drink it. Um, I'm not a drinker. I don't really like to drink. Um, and then you put a drink with it called Ting. Ting is like a, a fizzy grapefruit drink that's also from Jamaica. So it's a common drink in Jamaica, rum and ting. Um, but I'm, like I said to you, I'm not really a guy. I'm, I'm the kind of guy I could go a whole year without drinking. You know, it's not. I don't. I'm not. I'm the kind of guy that can go out, go salsa, and just drink water all night or have a juice. It's not. I, I'm already high on life. Well, I tell you, if you can bottle that and sell it to me, I'll gladly drink that, Rohan. Because <laughs> I, 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 I like a few points now with 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 with, 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 with the friends, you know. Um, so, so well, I have to say the only two things I know about Jamaica is uh, the red stripe, which is delicious, by the way. Red stripe, red stripe, come get the red stripe. That's the very one. And then the, 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 the one for when someone's talking nonsense. What's that word? If someone's talking nonsense? What? what, what, what the, the bum, bum, the... Well, bumbleclad. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. I think that's a great word. I love, love that one. Give, give it to me one more time there. We can use that as a sound boy. Bumbleclad. Rohan, it's been a genuine pleasure. Thanks yeah, you're very welcome. much. <laughs> and, uh, you're welcome, pal. Uh, uh, all the best. I wish you uh, health, happiness, and all the best for the future. Okay, my pal. Lovely talking to you, right? You too. And, and give me best to Havana. Adios, amigo. Okay, Havana, the man that... Saludos, dear chao, okay? Yeah, Shavana's over there, she's shy. She says she's eating. Ah, no problem. Rohan, look after yourself, mate. Okay, Thanks ciao. Again. You're welcome. All right, so, Prof, that was interesting. Um, I'm going to leave it to Rohan to gauge whether he either got those jokes, didn't get them, or totally went over his head. Well, Ted Lasso went right over his head. Fucking zoomed over his head. As did uh, Dacia. That was the joke of the year. <laughs> My favourite part. Winston just goes back in for another goal. And he just goes, was it hard to shift or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's quite the philosopher, isn't he? He goes, uh, Rohan, he says, everyone needs food, shelter, and the other ones. The other ones? Yeah. What the fuck are the other ones? I don't know. You, you didn't list them. Well, it's, it's fairly big. It's open to interpretation, you know? 
he might be talking about the hierarchy of needs but uh, yeah so he loved Thailand but definitely not a fan of Hungary or uh, Bangladesh he didn't like those ones I once said he was all set to go for the record uh, of Sebastian Abreu, but uh, but then when they, then when him and Winston confirmed the uh, how many clubs Abreu had, it was like, oh, okay, thirty. That's that's not achievable. He's gonna, <laughs> gonna keep. I think I'm more looking for him than Taylor. Do a job. Yeah, good job. There we go. Yeah, quick stuff here. Um found this in an article from a few months back uh, 45 players have played for both Merseyside clubs Liverpool, Everton 39 players have played for both Manchester clubs 20 players have played for both Old Firm sides in Scotland oh, a trend here. but only 15 ever have played for both Arsenal and Tottenham only 15 and only 5 in this century. Whoa. It was the 5 and he got there. Yeah. So I got Steve McNally. I got Rohan. Oh, Campbell. Yep. Oh, fuck. Give me some clues, will I? Uh what? One scored the winning goal against Ireland in uh, the, the Paris playoff after the Henri handball. Yep. Another uh, did a insane celebration where he scored and ran. Yes, Yep, that's it. <laughs> and am I thinking about the same person here? One did a terrible. Uh, what's the. Oh, I forget what the word is called. It's like where he, like he nutmegged himself. Oh, Rabona. Yeah. Oh, is it, I know it. I know it. Uh, he's an English player and he yeah. fell. That's it, yeah. I, I'm thinking it's him anyway. David Bentley. No, I'm thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of someone else. But David Bentley, yeah. David Bentley. Uh, people can send us, uh, if, I, if I've got that name wrong, it could be confusing, but another uh, English midfielder from that time. But um, as the article said, yeah, the five brave mavericks who play either end of Seven Sisters Road. Yeah, Saul Campbell, Rohan Ricketts, David Bentley, William Gaddis, Emmanuel Adebayor. So, you know, there you go. So, the fixtures came out on Monday and we kick off on February the 18th at home to UCD and then away to Derry. That's a big one. Derry, 25th, absolute humdinger cracker of a game. Sold out brandy well. Hopefully, they give us some sort of decent allocation because the Tifty's bogey bus is going to be on the road. Props, we're going to be flying. And uh, it's going to be a fucking great game, isn't it? Think about it. Like, no one will have real, any real form. Um, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anticipate a fucking superb game, superb atmosphere, and a real fucking... It's gonna, they should probably have away because it's going to sell out either way. Do you know what I mean? So televise that game, get it on the telly, and have the two potential title challengers at each other's throats. Yeah, I can't wait to see... Obviously, I can't wait to see us with Jack back in the middle, but uh, I also can't wait to see Derry. You know what? What are they like with these new players? It's only be the second game. 
like you say, I mean, no form. They'll be still trying to gel, but I'm fascinated by this game already. Oh my, the second I saw it, I just a oh, perfect, perfect away day. And you know what Rovers will to start the season with an away day? Easily bring 500 up there. I know well, we won't get the tickets, but there's going to be some heavyweight on that pitch. I mean, think about it, you're going to have Duffy, you're going to have Delaney, you're going to have that new guy, McGonagall, who I think is very good. Acton Tunday, um, Patching, you know, have all of our guys. <laughs> it's going to be a fucking great game. And of course, every every year when the fixture list comes out, you kind of throw your eye over certain things. Uh, when are the derbies? I I like to have a look at what the Monday games are because it feels like every year, you know, there's a Bally Buffet or a Brandywell on the Monday and you're like, oh, well, that's that one out, you know what I mean? But in this case, it's two home games and one away to the dock, so I'm quite happy with Great, that. Isn't it? Fucking brilliant. Bill time as well, because it was Waterford, it was it was always some fucking good away day that you get on a stupid Monday. So I always look at the end result, the end uh, fixtures, so the last five fixtures in the league, and, and try and predict what's going to be what, and if we're going to be in the tight race and around that neck of the woods, that's what I always go for. And then I look for certain patterns of, of games as if we're going to play like Derry, Dugdark, Pats, you know, all these yeah, it could be a repeat of 2011 that, that Rohan was talking about the, the pitch invasion because uh, it's UCD away on uh, the last game of the season. On the very last day, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be uh, Presence Cup against Pats the week before. No actual date set for that, but... Uh, Will the gas ticket be valid? Yeah, someone said that. Will our 2020 ticket be valid for that one? Um, uh, not sure yet if it's Richmond or Tata that's to be decided. No League Cup again. How many? This is this the third year in a row now. No League Cup. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're really. Exactly, yeah. Possibly some break, like get it into where it's easily accessible. So, yeah, go ahead. We can bring it back if you can do that. Well, you heard Joe's talking earlier about 1992. And what they did back then was they used to play a group stage at the start of the season. So, before you played your league game, you'd play like three league cup games in, in quick succession, which are better than friendlies. It's better for the fans, more competitive, you know. They won two League Cups in a row, didn't they? Didn't they beat yeah. Galway and, and Limerick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said it was great trips, great trips on the train over Limerick on the way back, so it was a buzz, so that's what you want to be looking at. Bring it back. Yeah, so only the third time ever that we're opening a season against UCD. The other times was 1997, we won 3-0 at Belfield, and 2007, when we drew nil all at Belfield. And looking forward to this one. Yeah. And then we the UCD mob ending <laughs> on Tala. And then of the course. UCD, rah rah rah. 
<laughs> that was Gaffney, wasn't it? Yeah. Is this a new? Is this a new law for hippies, Gar? This is possibly a new law for hippies. Yeah, the joys of recording from an ensuite recording studio bathroom. Are you actually doing this podcast on the can? The, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, the sound is pretty good. Yeah, I'm happy with the, the nice bit of air coming in. Happy with it. You know. I'm I'm lost for words. So then I have the, time here. I'm reading <laughs> time as well. <laughs> I just picture now you keep tallow time like under a few spare toilet rolls. It's all, and like you have it bookmarked and all because you read a few uh, minutes of it every time uh, yeah, you're in yeah, there. Yeah, that's the you should be, you should be <laughs> honoured that you're the only book that I read every week. <laughs> so then we had the first division only being nine teams. I don't think we have time to even get into that right now. I mean, no, I kind think that's of a, a very good debate to have again and that's uh, it just got swept under the, under the I don't think do we, well, we obviously put in an application to have a team in and it just got fucking yeah. batted away like a rogue mosquito at least bring in Irish CFC for the crack like just don't make it 9 make it 10 teams yeah Irish CFC and then let them launder all their international drug money from Colombians Medellin cartel into <laughs> Ireland <laughs> I love their post on Facebook. It looks like a Nigerian prince scam email. Whenever I see it, I just think of Gus Ring. I don't know why. I just think Gus Ring is the head of this. He's the chairman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're coming to the end here. Uh, the players were back in on on uh, Monday. Well, certainly yeah. were, and they've been doing their own bits as well, but we have a couple of players talking about I think we Lee Grace off doing, uh, I think he was in America, floating around, getting things done. Muscle Beach, I think he was on yesterday, so he's getting his own bit of training in with all the, the uh, gym heads out on the beach and, and in the States. Everybody's getting their own little well-deserved holiday, so they'll be coming back for a bit. He didn't bring the trophy with him, did he? Because I saw he brought that with him to Carrick on shore. That fucking trophy needs to be melted down and buried. Well, That he's... is the spreader. It needs to be tested for COVID, absolutely, because... Yes. <laughs> one, the fucking thing down. One fan who we shall not name for, uh, you know, Data Protection Act and all that, <laughs> but uh, he, he's, he was trying to figure out where he might have got it from based on who he was with and, like, you know, was, who he was close with. And he, he actually come to the conclusion that it was the trophy that gave him COVID. Like, well, no, no person did it. Agree with that. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Just a few plugs before we go since it's, it's Christmas and all that. Make sure to get user season ticket. Uh, great value as always. The club shop is still open on Thursday. That's today as you're listening to this. So, 12 to 4. Christmas Eve will be open 11 to 2. And then it reopens on Saturday, New Year's Day. So, still time to get user 2022 awake. Eh? Training range, champion scarves, pennants, tops, hoodies, winter warmers, phone cupboards, season tickets. Come on, come on, bro. Keep going. Early bird offer extended until Crimbo. It's amazing value, an absolute bargain. Don't forget the 2021 champions, Buke. Baby!
Green River, yeah, we postponed Green River, unfortunately. There's no choice. We had no choice but to postpone it. It's pointless. Pointless bringing it out. We're hoping for a Christmas release. Absolutely pointless bringing it out. Um, big, big push in January. Uh, thanks and Merry Christmas to all our sponsors as well. Leinster Credit, the four Probs, um, Ocean Electrical, all these guys have been fantastic. It's been a great season. Um, so, so, th- so there you go. Uh, the people called for a Christmas episode and they got one. Uh, just looking on social media here, Garrett, after I posted that we're back. Uh, you have Giggsy Hand saying he might wait till Christmas morning to listen to this. So maybe after he <laughs> opens up all his Bose Prezies under the Christmas tree. Yeah, so Merry Christmas to our listeners. Stay safe. Uh, thanks for waiting patiently for us for the last month or so. Uh, we hope this keeps you ticking over for the weekend. And now you have to put down your earphones and go talk to your families. So yeah. you, you sign us out, Gar. That's it for this week, Prof. That's it for the next couple of weeks. So wash your hands, stay safe, and keep on helping. It's only a beautiful thing. This is all the unexpressed love, right? The grief that will remain with us, you know, until we pass because we didn't, we never get enough time with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, No matter if someone lives till 60, 15, or, you know, 99. So I hope this grief stays with me because it's all the unexpressed love that I didn't get to to tell her. What do you think happens when we die, Keanu Reeves? (laughs) I know that the ones who love us will miss us.